The utilization of technology has proven to be a critical lifeline of support and an avenue of opportunity for students to learn, grow, and prosper during the COVID-19 pandemic and as students return to the classroom, school districts, and educators from all across the country will have to reevaluate and reassess the importance of technology and its increased role in our learning process. You can add Ethan Kessinger's name to the list of people who believe that technology will be the catalyst for change and how we view the future of education. He's a former assistant principal, teacher, and school administrator who is now the CEO of an app known as Teacher Voice, which is a bootstrapped education startup focused on improving tutor quality. Kessinger joined me this week to discuss his new app, his perspective on the current state of education, and how technology will be interwoven in the classrooms for years to come. I'm Kevin McShann. Let's have this conversation. Fantastic. So if you're ready, Ethan, I'll welcome you to the program. And I'm excited uh, to talk to you about the future of education. Great, great to be with you this morning. And thank you so very much for being here. Great. Ready to go. Absolutely. So Ethan, you tell me that uh, tech, uh, we can use technology to change the future of education. So I'm wondering if you could uh, dive into that for me this morning. Yeah, of course. I think, you know, technology has kind of dramatically changed pretty much everything that we do in our life. Um, you know, even when you're watching shows like from the 90s, things seem pretty weird because there is just much less technology. But when you think about education, I was working in a school for several years. And really there was no difference really between what I had done in school and what we're doing with kids today. And especially before the pandemic, you know, there was just nothing that we were using technology for in a way that was really going to change outcomes for kids. Um, and I think when you look at technology, especially in education in these areas that it really matters the outcome, you do have to be careful about when you're entering technology. And I'm not someone who believes that, you know, you can just throw a, a computer somewhere and it's going to fix everything. But I think that there needs to be a focus on how we can use technology to get better data around how we're going to personalize education, how we're going to have kids be more engaged, and then think about, you know, how we're going to shape our students so that they're going to succeed in the world that we're creating for them. 
Yeah, and Ethan, as a former educator, I know you used to work in the school system, and I know you still are heavily involved in education. I'm wondering your thoughts on how teachers can use uh, technology uh, to succeed and connect with uh, more students in the classroom. Yeah, I think that, you know, the, the first thing is that for teachers now, especially uh, after the pandemic and having to do hybrid and remote teaching is that they're very overwhelmed and there are just so many different things that are be thrown, been thrown at them. And so I think technology for them should really be focused on how do we streamline their workload so that they're able to really focus on individual students in their classroom, creating those relationships. That said, I think there are some pretty cool new technologies that do help with that. So one example is Flipgrid, which is this video platform where you as a teacher record a short question. So you might be like, oh, what's your favorite movie that you watch in the fall? And then all the students during their own time can record a little video and show you know, something about their house, what they care about. And I think that's a quick and easy way to create a deeper relationship. And so I think for teachers, it's, you know, what's the least amount of work that they can be doing that is going to pay off for better relationships with kids, understanding where they are and kind of showing them things they wouldn't experience otherwise. Yeah, absolutely. And I know that you have started a uh, startup having to do with improving uh, the uh, tutor experience for kids. So I'm wondering if you can tell me about the startup that you started. Yeah, of course. So it's called Teacher Voice, uh, and we are focused on tutors and really getting them to have the same resources that you would if you were a classroom teacher. So one of the great things about tutoring is that you have this one-on-one -on -one interaction. You can be, um, you know, really close with your student. And because of that, you're able to uncover some gaps that they might have, some things they might be interested in, and really help shape their education. But for most tutors, they start out as graduate students or you know, someone who doesn't have a background in education. And so what we're trying to do is give them teaching tools that they would learn in a classroom, but that they're able to implement really quickly. So they're able to have a greater impact on the students that they tutor. Uh, fabulous. And you also tell me that tutoring is one of the most underutilized uh, um, uh, uh, tools within our educational sort of toolbox and you think it's going to expand following COVID. So I'm wondering if you can dive into that for me this morning. Yeah, I think that, you know, prior to COVID, when we thought about tutoring, it was either in this idea of test prep, right? We're going to kind of help you out, take the SAT so that you can get into college, or it's for someone who's really struggling, really falling behind. They're going to have this one-on-one -on -one tutor that's going to help them. But I think that we saw that, you know, having a strong relationship with an adult educator who's really looking at what is important for their education helps kids, you know, across in the whole spectrum of what their needs are. So I saw, you know, in the school when I was an assistant principal, some of the kids who were the brightest, the ones that didn't need any help for whatever content we were currently working on, really benefited from that one-on-one -on -one interaction because it was able to push them a little bit further. So they were no longer bored in class because they were also working on other things. I also think for, you know, this time where there's been kind of this disrupted education, we're seeing that there are different areas that students really struggled with. So some may really have had trouble in math or maybe they had trouble in reading. 
And so having tutors come in and kind of plug those gaps while still thinking about what's the future of this student now will really help them to bounce back from COVID and really be in a stronger position than they were at the beginning. Uh, fantastic. And now, Ethan, you know, I wanted to talk to you this mo morning also about increasing opportunities for uh, uh, more quality education for individuals with disabilities and or students with disabilities as it relates to technology, because, you know, I was uh, born with cerebral palsy and I've always been an advocate myself on uh, improving uh, societal opportunities for uh, students and folks with disabilities to, to uh, pr participate in all aspects of life. So I'm curious to ask you about how, how do you think we open up uh, uh, the gates of opportunity uh, for individuals or students with disabilities to have a more uh, complete education experience? Yeah, Kevin, thanks so much for that question. I think that is really important and sometimes it's overlooked. Um, when I think about what we can do and use technology for expanding students with disabilities, I think a couple different areas. So the first is access. And I think that, you know, when kids, you know, may have disabilities, they're out of the classroom a lot more. You know, I had students who had really bad breathing problems and had for weeks had to be off to go to the hospital. Um, and so having virtual learning op options, having like a hybrid setup in your classroom could be really important for those students so that they're not physically in the building, but they're still able to participate in classes. I think there's also some assisted technology of thinking things like voice to text, live closed captioning, those sorts of things really open the door for kids that really weren't able to participate before. Um, the second thing I think about is communication with families, because typically, you know, a parent is the one that is going to know the most about what's going on with their student. And so having even simple but quick communication with parents, so things like texting or sending a picture of what's going in the classroom can really strengthen the bond between the teacher and the parents. And that opens up a conversation about what are the best things that you can do for your student and to really help the teacher meet those needs. Um, you know, we talked about Flipgrid or things before, but I think there are a lot of ways that you can have different types of engagement so that you're able to get kids who may not want to speak up or may not be able to participate, that they're still part of the conversation. Um, I, I'm sure you know about the curb cut effect. Um, so this is an idea that a lot of disability friendly features um, can be appreciated with the larger group that they're designed for. And I think that when we're looking at technology really enhancing education, it should be through that lens of we're going to help students that may have specific disabilities participate more, get the resources that they need. But that in turn is going to help all of our students and it's going to make it a friendlier, better place for every kid. Yeah, thanks so much for sharing that, Ethan. I think it's a very uh, uh, important topic of conversation. And I've got one uh, follow-up in terms of di uh, diversity and inclusion. You know, uh, October marks uh, National Disability Employment Awareness Month. And uh, the, the way I think this connects to education is providing, like you said earlier, access to opportunities. but 
when it comes to uh, creating a better internships for folks with uh, or students with disabilities and, and providing them a, a sort of a jump start to the professional careers, I think is important when we talk about employment for students uh, with disabilities. And I was curious to get your uh, perspective on, on, on the importance of the month and how it relates uh, to students with disabilities as well. Yeah, I think the, the big thing first is that you as an employer really have to go out of your way to engage with people you know, in, in all different walks of life. And I think that's something in, in tech that you see a lot where you end up with a lot of people who go to specific schools who are you know, white, upper educated, um, and I think a lot of times people think that, you know, because they put a job posting on LinkedIn or somewhere, that it's the responsibility of everyone else to apply and to be able to do that. Um, and so I think about that is starting by making sure that when you're posting jobs, that you're working with the community, working with organizations that have contacts with people that have disabilities or that there are other, um, you know, people that you're really trying to reach out to. And I think similarly for students, right? You want to be able to showcase all of the different jobs that are available for people and show people who you know may have a disability that are doing really well in those places. Um, so I would really encourage schools to invite people who you know are, are showcasing the diversity of a school and show all of the different career paths that they have. Um, because I think, you know, Part of school is to show bewilderment, show the possibility of what is there. And when you're able to open that up and create new paths for kids, that is going to really pay out for a long time. Absolutely. Ethan, you also tell me that we can either use technology to replace the teaching experience or create super educators. So I'm wondering if you could tell me all about your uh, philosophy there this morning, Bonnie. Yeah, uh, well, I'm on the, the super educator train. Um, I think that, you know, when you're looking at technology, I, I think that it's important to look at other places. So I think about a customer service agent that you might have at a company or an account manager. So I'm, you know, if, if something goes wrong with whatever product you're using right now, it's now really tough to get talking to someone on the phone, right? You're going to go through all of these chat bots, all these FAQs before you're talking to a real person. And at the moment, it may be kind of annoying that you can't just pick up the phone and call someone. But really, you want to get to a point where you never have to speak or interact with someone to get your problem solved because it's just taken care of without any interaction for you. Um, and so that's kind of an idea of where you could take education, of thinking about personalized education that is kind of computer-based and a, a student is now interacting more with technology than with an individual person. But for me, I think that we should really use technology to leverage what teachers are already doing, let them create stronger relationships and have the right data at the right time so that they're able to kind of be that super teacher and really stay involved in the learning process. Um, and so I think when you're building new technology, you need to think, you know, where does the educator lie right now? But also, if this is improved as much as you can, where should the educator be and really build technology in a way that's going to keep them at the forefront? 
Yeah, I'm so worried. And I'm also I'm wanting to ask you this morning about uh, how students can use their education and technology experience to accelerate their competitive advantage. And what I mean by that is how do you think students can use the benefits of technology to put themselves ahead of the game when it comes uh, to their educational experience and some of the experiences that may, that they may be exposed to as well. Yeah, I think that technology has a great way to kind of expose students to a lot more things. So whether those are kind of like virtual field trips or simulations, talking to people that they wouldn't have, really what it does is it opens up their mind to what different pathways there really are. Um, I think about when I went to college, a lot of people already had coded for several years, really understood computer science and really liked that. And they were really far ahead of the game. So it got to a point where if that was a career that I wanted, I would have instantly felt by the time I got to college that I was already too far behind. And so using you know, technology, really exploring different options while you're still in high school will let you pick areas that may be really exciting for you. And then you're able to kind of already know what's going on so that when you get to college, when you get to different career paths, you're able to you know, be a little bit ahead of the game. I think the other thing is, you know, school isn't about memorizing everything that you're going to have in a class, but it's about building skills like teamwork, creating self-motivation, um, helping you to develop an intrinsic desire to learn. And I think that using technology, having a, a clear education system that is focused on that will really help them regardless of what they want to do after school. Yeah, and Ethan, tell me, I'm wondering with your experience as a, a former school administrator and a teacher, I'm, I'm curious to uh, ask you, where do you think there are uh, gaps in our education system currently? And, uh, what, how you would characterize the current state of our education system? Um, I do think there are a lot of gaps. And I think that how it is set up is that currently teaching is just a really, really tough job. Um, but generally, they don't have a lot of support at the beginning to make them successful. And it leads to a really bad situation where younger teachers leave the profession before really gaining those skills that could make them super effective teachers. Um, and so it creates just this negative cycle of a lot of people leaving uh, before they're really able to be a really good teacher. Um, and so I think that we need to think about ways that we can recruit new people, but then support them so that they're able to stay for several years. Um, I don't think that you need to go into teaching thinking that will be your full career. But I think that there's a whole lot of payoff two, three, four years down the line. And so we need to figure out different ways to incentivize teachers to join, but then to stay for several years. Yeah, uh, speaking of, uh, you intrigued me with your last answer there. How do you think uh, we can uh, entice teachers to uh, really get excited about becoming teachers and remaining in the profession as well? Yeah, well, I think that, you know, part of it is, is what we talked about earlier about access and about, you know, meeting kids where they are. And so I think that there's a lot more that schools can do to go to campuses to show that teaching is a good career path. I think for, you know, a lot of top schools, 
Teach for America in, in the US is a way to encourage some kids to kind of join that profession. Um, but I think there needs to be a lot more outreach. I also think generally that people, not that they look down on teachers, but it's not thought of as prestigious of a career as a lot of other choices. And so that is really a societal level to say that we really value this and this is a path that you can take. Um, and then I think the third thing is really showing what skills that you're going to get when you're early on in your career in teaching and how that can play out in a lot of different fields around that. So thinking about, you know, you become a really good public speaker. You're able to communicate very well. You're able to talk to a lot of people in different walks of life. Those are all skills that are useful in almost any career that you go to. And so if we're able to frame this as this is four years of your life where it's really a boot camp on yourself about really developing these skills, I think it could encourage a different sort of people to join the classroom. Yeah, thank you for uh, sharing that perspective. And the final sort of uh, perspective question I have for you this morning is the importance of voca vocational education, hands-on education, and the need to increase that. Because, you know, I don't think uh, a lot of people really appreciate the fact that us students don't always learn the same way. So I'm curious to get your, your, your thoughts on the need to in, increase uh, vocational education and hands-on experiences uh, for kids as well. Yeah, I think that, you know, that is huge when you're in a classroom and you see kids who are getting to do an experiment in science or they're, you know, coding their own website or creating something. So maybe they're writing a play for the first time. And the amount of engagement they have is just dramatically different from if you think of a typical lecture where you're just telling facts about a, a history event. And so I think that that is important for engagement, right, to get kids interested in going to school. And then I think for the vocational path as well, it's there are just a lot more options these days of what you can do as a career. And some you need a whole lot of training and some you need less so. And so I think that, you know, especially when you're getting into high school, doing a lot of things, encouraging people to come to the school and, you know, show vocational paths as well as really prioritize highly engaging content uh, will keep kids interested, but then it also will prepare them better for when they're leaving school. Yeah, absolutely. And we talked up earlier about GAB. So I'm going to flip the question around this way and ask, ask you, what has you most excited about the future of education? Yeah, I think that, you know, I, after COVID, um, we've really seen a change in how startups and the venture community look at ed tech. So in the past, you know, it was thought of as something that could never make money. And so there was never going to be any investment there. But now there's a lot of entrepreneurs that are coming out to solve new challenges using technology and education. And I think the market is starting to move towards both. That is a way that you can create a sustainable company, but also it's really important for the future of our society to focus on how we're improving education. And so I'm excited to see, you know, innovations that come out in the next several years that are really focused on meeting kids where they are and really helping them to, you know, come into this world in, in 2020. Um, and so I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. I think the other thing is that we're starting to see technologies that can help 
support educators more. So it's things like teacher voice where you're able to help them um, be better at their job and more supported. And I think that that will help educators stay in the classroom and stay really helping kids. And for you, what, uh, what gets you most, uh, I guess, energized when you look at teachers using uh, technology to become better teachers? I think that teaching is just incredibly personal. I think that you typically really are putting your whole soul into it. And so when you struggle, I think a lot of teachers really feel like it's a personal failing. Um, and so when they're able to really flip that switch and become a lot more effective, it's really gratifying to see the confidence that that brings in the individual. Um, and so that's one thing that I just really love is to see educators that are like, yes, I rocked that lesson, yes. I'm starting to make a really big impact on the student. Um, and then for the students themselves, when you have teachers who are really happy to be there, really working hard to be better every day, they're better equipped um, and they're happier as well. And so I think that, you know, if we can continue to really invest in our educators, it's going to play out and really helping our students as well. Yeah, absolutely. I've got two more questions for you. And the first has to do with the level of personal investment between uh, students, parents, and teachers. And what I mean by that is the way education has changed uh, over the years, uh, there are more uh, opportunities for parents and teachers and their students all to sort of op open up lines of communication that weren't there before. So I'm, I'm curious to get your perspective on how the relationship building between parents, teachers, and students is so important. Yeah, I think that is very important. And you know, when you're thinking about how you can get a student on board with something, if their teacher as well as their parent is really advocating for it, they're much more likely to do it. Um, and so I think that different models will show, you know, the relationship between a teacher and a parent. For the charter school that I worked at, we had one teacher who was in charge of the relationship for every student. So I had 15 students that I really got to know their families throughout the year. And that open line of communication really helped me understand what was going on at home and then having them be able to reassert what we were doing at school. Um, and together that really created an environment for the student that they were much more likely to learn. And so I think any way that we can really engage our families more will pay out. And I think that that is a really important job of teachers. And so creating systems where they're incentivized to reach out to parents to create those strong relationships will be really important moving forward. And parents have to be invested in the process at home, right? Otherwise it doesn't work. Yeah, I think especially, you know, for those early years, like you need to be reading at home. You need to be setting up those habits for kids. Um, and that's not something that just comes naturally. So you need to give parents that support, but as well as the relationship to really encourage that to happen. Yeah, Ethan, I'm also uh, finally curious to ask you about your own personal uh, professional and personal legacy and whether you've given any thought on how you want that to be defined. And then 
uh, if people want to get connected with you, what's the best way they can do that, buddy? Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Kevin. Um, I think for my you know personal and professional legacy, it's really about creating things that help other people. I think early on, you know, when I was in college, it felt like I had to choose between a career that was going to be making a lot of money or one that was helping people. And I really want to show that there is a path where you're able to work with really important people, that you're able to build things and help people in a way that um, will encourage other people who have had really impressive educations, um, choose that instead of going to work for, you know, Facebook or some bank where they may not actually being able to make much of an impact. Um, and so for me, I also hope that I can continue to meet people like you, people who are creating, um, building products. And I think that that is just a really exciting thing that I've been able to do since I kind of moved over to entrepreneurship. Um, and for me, you know, you can come reach out to me. I'm on Twitter. I think my handle is edtechethan on Twitter. Um, and you can also email me at ethan at teachervoice.com. Fantastic. You know, Ethan, Ethan, I have a special place in my heart for educators. And I always jump uh, at the opportunity to talk about education and the way we can advance it forward. So I want to Thank you for engaging in conversation with me this morning and taking my questions about the future of education and the intersection of technology. Your time, energy, and efforts on my behalf are most appreciated. And I want to thank you uh, for being here this morning. Thank you so much for having me. And it was, was great to talk to you, Kevin.